I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome, everybody, to this Friday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Haley Salvian, Sean Gentilly. Stanley Cup final game three last night. Uh, thought the Vegas Golden Knights were going to take a commanding lead of that one. They didn't. It was kind of a boring game until it wasn't. Oh my we'll God. take a second. We'll just say hello before we get into that, though. Sean, what's up? Hi, Haley. How are you doing? Doing well. That's it. I don't the first, the first think two there's anything that game, else to say. The first Who two did? periods of that game stunk. They stunk. Five shots on goal for each team in the first. Not great. Is that what it was? I it didn't was even know what the goal final five, count five. Holy Yeah, God. and then the Panthers didn't get a shot on goal until the 11-minute mark. With 11 minutes left, so I guess nine minutes into the second period. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a classic Panthers playoff. Like, wow, this playoff is great. <laughs> classic Panthers playoff win. It's what they do. They're getting back to their winning ways, which is like rely on Bobrovsky heavily, get outshot, get out outplayed, and then just hope Kachuk does something silly at the end of the game. Yeah. Or Carter Verhage. Or Carter Verhage. Yeah. So let's get into it because this yeah. is a, uh, yeah. People don't like when we talk about ourselves off the top of the show. Is that true? No, I think just one person. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but yeah, Vegas Golden Knights in Florida last night series, you know, kind of turns to sunrise. They were up two nothing before the game. Uh, looked like Vegas was in control of it the whole time. They've had a way of doing that throughout the playoffs, by the way. Like Vegas has never looked like they weren't in control of the hockey games that they're playing in, except right. for maybe the two losses against Dallas. But even then, it didn't seem like they were totally swimming out of control. Um, the series has gone, I want to back up a little bit before we get right into that game. I thought this was going to be a way tighter series. Vegas blows Florida out 7-2 in game two. They go up to a 2-0 lead. It looks like they're going to take that commanding 3-0 lead in the series. Uh, obviously, Florida wins game three, makes it 
makes it a series again. It's 2-1. Uh, but are you surprised at how this Stanley Cup final has gone so far? No. I think this is kind of... I don't know if I would have... Um, you know, whatever. 2-1 Vegas, 2-1 Panthers, threat, like whatever, right? Like, say, say what you will about what the... about where we'd be at, like, in terms of... Uh, the overall series at this point, but like the way these teams have played, I don't, I'm not surprised by it. Like this is who they are. This is who they've been for the last couple rounds, at least in the case of the Panthers where, you know, I I mentioned it off the top, but it's true. Like that's, I don't mean to look, I don't mean to, um, detract or demean from how they've gotten here. Cause it all counts like goalie play counts. And you know, you can only score goals when you score them. Right. So I'm not, I'm not knocking how they've gotten here, but, They've gotten here because Bobrovsky's been superhuman and they've had timely goal scoring, even though it might not necessarily manifest itself in like puck dominance or any of that stuff. Like they're they're getting goals when they need them. And I think, you know, to some degree, that's what they got back to last night. But you, that's also a tough thing to rely on every single game. That's That's been the crazy part about their run so far is that they have been able to rely on it every game. <laughs> like the first the first three rounds, it was Bobrovsky being, you know, being crazy and, and, them, and them, you know, again, hitting the back of the net when, when they needed to. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that, you know, there was some maybe market correction at the start of the series as far as that was concerned. And Vegas is Vegas. You said it, you said it yourself. Like, there hasn't been some. Do- there hasn't been a truly like dominant ass kicking uh, series from them. But at the same time, at no point really throughout, from the start of the playoffs until now, have they looked overmatched or truly out of control. It might not have right. manifested itself in you know sweeps or five or five game series or whatever. But they know what they're doing and and they look the part. So I think that's kind of what I expected, and I feel like that's kind of that's what we've gotten. I gave Dom a lot of crap for saying who Dom Dom mm-hmm. at the athletic Dom mm-hmm. Luschishin. Nope. I gave him a lot of crap for saying that this final was two dark horse candidates. And then I talked to him about it and I had a chat with Greg Wyshynski about this as well, because I'm, I Vegas was like the best team left that people like weren't talking about in that way. And when I talked to Dom about it, he was saying like, yeah, they won the West in the regular season, but who picked them to go to the cup final? Everyone had Edmonton, our mm-hmm. whole staff, most of, except for me. <laughs> I did. <laughs> except for, yeah, who did you <laughs> But pick? not me, Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, huh? Exactly. My, my sweet, sweet stars, they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights because I was underrating the Vegas Golden Knights because they just quietly went about their business all season. Like they weren't completely dominant. They had a couple, you know, slow periods when Mark Stone got hurt. Things started to dip a little bit, but they got it back on the rails in a way that they weren't able to do in years previous when Mark Stone got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and they almost just, they just kept doing their thing all year. And, and you know, Edmonton had a bit more of the bells and whistles because Connor McDavid's season and Dallas um, you know, is the the kind of fun team. You've got Joe Pavelski. Everyone's behind old guy without a cup and mm-hmm. Rupe Hintz and and Jason Robertson. You know, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan are playing great. Like people were getting behind everyone else. <laughs> Even Completely. people were like the Kraken eat the Avs. Like Vegas, in a way, people weren't saying the Kraken were going to make the cup final. But after they won the first round, people were like, "Ooh, the Kraken mm-hmm. are good. Who could have seen this coming?" And I feel like Vegas was almost the best team that people weren't paying attention to. Um, And they've shown that through the cup final. I mean, there aren't a lot of holes. We've talked about this before. Aiden Hill's playing great. Um, Their defense (laughs) is huge and physical. They can box out. They block shots. They keep guys to the perimeter. uh, They can be active in the offensive zone. And then they've got the star power and the depth at the top of the lineup on their forward group. I mean, Ivan Barbashev has fit in perfectly with Jonathan Marchso and Jack Eichel. Some nights Mark Stone's almost like on the third line, depending on the deployment of things. I mean, he mm-hmm. gets second line minutes, I would say. Um, but lines one through four are effective for for the Golden Knights. So there's there's a lot to like. It's weird for me to say this because I think I was like very much on the I'm sick of Vegas and maybe it was just because their tweets were annoying me. 
But it's really, it's hard for me to admit right now. There's a lot to like about the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> I, th- I mean, you're. Sa- I feel like you're saying that half as a joke, but I think that mindset is part of why people slept on them coming into like people. Yeah, because people were sick of them. We're sick of them. We're sick yeah. of them. And, and also, last season was a huge failure for them. Like they did, they missed the playoffs for the first time. I think there was whether people realize it or not. Collectively, I think we were like, yeah, okay, like we're gonna stick them in a drawer and even even though they end up as the first the first overall seed and or the the first seed in the west yeah that's still kind of that's still kind of persisted i think part of that had to do with the goalie situation because i mean we're yeah. talking about loren persuade at the start at the start of the playoffs i don't think anybody was sold on him let alone aiden hill so i think mm-hmm. i think that had a lot to do with it and people want an excuse to pick connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl i think that's a big part of it not and me. it's not it, this. It sounds like revisionist history. Like we were doing something. Like we were giving the, the Oilers something. Maybe they didn't deserve. And I don't think that's true either, right? Like you. That's a better Oilers team than we've seen in the last five years. Hundred percent. So you have a uh, a significant amount of people who are like, no, this this team is better. They're better at five on five. They're better defensively because of Matthias Ekholm. Like. There's plenty of reasons to like the to like the Oilers. I think it, the wild part, even if you just look at the people we have on staff, is that everybody was is it like nearly everyone was thinking that same way, and that's mm-hmm. that's the that's you know that's yep. the crazy part. Yep. Um, okay, this is just like a very small off track. Was that the first time the Oilers have lost a series that they should have won? Yes. Like I think there's reason to believe that that's the gut punch before like if we're if we're thinking the Oilers are going to win a Stanley Cup here in the next couple of years like that's the one if you're, that the it, Oilers were like oh shit like they should have had that one and then they move on and have more success like every team's had that before they go on to the ultimate success right I don't think Edmonton had had it yet until this year. If you if you're trying to subscribe to that like kind of classic narrative where, and it's a narrative for a reason because it's it's been borne out in fact over the years that every team has to have some gut punch series loss before they can actually slay the dragon. I think you can make the argument that that's the first time we've seen it from Ed, for, for Edmonton, absolutely, mm-hmm. because... Losing to the Avs last season before they I, go to Honda win the do? Cup. Like, right, like, I, but I, I, I mean... Losing to Vegas before they potentially go on to win the cup. Maybe that's like, I'm saying that now while also saying like we totally underrated the Vegas Golden Knights and they were beast mm-hmm. against the Oilers. So yeah, I think totally. it's going to be interesting to see how they grow from that though. I want to say something about Ivan Bar- Barbashev specifically. I was going to get it back on the rails back to the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. So yeah, you go ahead. What do you want to say about Barbashev? I love, love, love what Ivan Barbashev is doing for and not just not just because everyone likes to watch heavy hockey and all all that sort of stuff. I also love seeing guys going a run that gets them paid, right? Like Ivan Barbashev has made himself God knows how much money uh, over the last over the last month or so, and that's great. I love seeing that from a get the bag. Li- from a labor standpoint. Absolutely, get the bag. What Barbashev what Barbashev is doing is reminding us that the trade deadline is still relevant and still matters. Because I think there is a desire after we've seen so many teams load up over the, over the last bunch of years and have it not pay off, whether it's the Leafs in any of the last, either the last two years, really going Nick Felino, whatever. The fact of the matter is Vegas went out and added the physical playoff tested big body forward who rental and is paying off in the biggest way imaginable. Right. And I think too often in this sport, we're just resigned to just be like, ah, it's random. It's just random bullshit. If If a goalie goes on a heater, that's all that matters. You don't have that much control over anything. So just, you know, grab on and enjoy the ride. Like, don't don't bother. Mm hmm. It's nice to have stuff like that happens where teams go out and make relevant additions because regardless of what you think of Ivan Barbashev as a player in St. Louis, and I think he I think he was to some degree overrated. I, I think people 
you know, looked at a year where he had a 23% shooting percentage and, you know, is not, is he a, is he a consistent 30 goal scorer or whatever? No. Whatever you think about the, about the run he had in St. Louis, what he's done in Vegas is impressive and important mm-hmm. and they're not here without him. So it's a nice reminder that, you know, for fans in media, as we watch the trade deadline, that's that yes, sometimes this shit does matter because I feel like we get too locked up in it, you know, too consistently where it's like, oh, who cares? Like, this is just, yeah. we're all just kind of rearranging deck chairs here. It's not the case. Barbershop is a, bar, I keep calling him Barbershop for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, me, you okay? Me you know, need probably, a, probably because, you know, I honestly probably because Ivan Provorov because I, I have him on the brain. Uh, He's a, but Barbashev is a reminder that this stuff matters, right? And that that totally. kind of player matters. And that you can go out and meaningfully improve your team to a point where you go from, that yeah. wins you a Stanley Cup at the deadline. It's cool. Yeah. He's done it in different ways, too. Uh, in Edmonton in the second round, or I guess against Edmonton in the second round, he was getting timely goals. Um, you know, answering. I, there was the one game where... <laughs> It was like every time the Oilers like scored on the power play, like Barbashev came back with a goal on his, of his own. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was doing it with timely scoring in the second round. And then now in the Stanley Cup final, like he's just throwing the body around. He invented yeah. the reverse hit. I don't know if you knew this, but <laughs> Ivan Barbashev actually invented the reverse hit. I've never seen that before. Oh, I mean, he, you never want to see like Radko Gudis get hurt in that moment, but the reverse hit on Gudis was unbelievable <laughs> he it was a there huge was some, moment something I mean, about the way something about the way you said rad kogudis made made me think you said brad cuckoo that's the way that's the way it's that's the way it sounded when, when it when, when it hit my ears yeah brad cuckoo what are you talking about that's what i it said rad kogudis like. i know i know that I did know i that's pronounce what you it said. wrong no it's just the way it hit my ears sometimes that rad cuckoo brad cuckoo brad kogudis I'm glad he's okay. Who is Brad Kagudas? I'm moving on from this. I think it's been great to see Barbashev contributing in so many different parts of the game, right? And he's one of those perfect examples of the guy that you put on the line with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchessault because he's a big hitter. He opens up a lot of space for those two guys with that physicality. And he's also capable of scoring the goals, too. The puck's on his stick in the slot. He can score it. He can make the play. He can make the hit. He can dig it out of the corner. Barbashev checks a ton of boxes. Um, He's been helping swing the tide in Vegas' favor throughout this postseason. Traits matter. Yeah. Context matters for where for where you put a player to and in, in, totally. in, in who you play him with. And honestly, I think that's something that we can all afford to remember from time to time. And he's totally. given us a good one here. So I think the final thought on, on Vegas before we kind of dive in a little bit more on game three, it's the revisionist history part that you mentioned, Sean. And mm-hmm. now we're talking about the roster construction and bringing in Ivan Barbashev. Like a lot of people last year when the Golden Knights were hurt and missed the playoffs, started looking at what they did and said, well, like you screwed up your roster construction. Like you messed up the chemistry in that room or you did too much and look at their cap situation. It's just Mm -hmm. like, what did the Vegas Golden Knights do? They did too much. And now so quickly we're looking at the Vegas Golden Knights and saying, oh my God, is this about to pay off? Because this is a team that's been built in a way that no other team has, right? In part by virtue of the expansion rules being completely different. And then the fact that they did it differently than the Seattle Kraken did. Like, I don't think I've ever, they went, they had this big expansion draft that had never been done before, like literally because of the rules. And then they went big game hunting for five years, aggressive acquisitions, proven experienced players in their prime, Mm -hmm. taking big swings at free agency um, you know, Bill Foley went up and everyone laughed and laughed. He's like, we're going to win a Stanley Cup in the first six years or we're going to make the playoffs. Uh, we're going to make the playoffs in three years. We're going to win a Stanley Cup in six. He's on track to hit both of those marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that organization has, they've taken the big swings in a way that I don't think we've really seen before. And I think it was easy last year to look at them and say, you did too much. You overdid it. <laughs> Because and, they because they might they might have though like I like I I think I think we internalized the idea that they that they screwed up because they it, that the mix was off because it kind of was they were hurt 
they were hurt, but like, but you also were talking about going the on. The mix and is like the same now. This is the mix this season. It Maybe. took a, it took a while for everything to settle when you're when yeah, you're because Jack you're Michael's adding, neck was still all right. Mixed. Exactly. I mean, like, sure, sure. But I like, just think it was really easy for everyone to write them off last season. And uh-huh. then now we're looking at them and saying like, no, we need to credit like that aggressive approach because it's working. I don't well, want to get ahead of myself because yeah, obviously the series is 2-1. The series is 2-1, to one, but here's a fun little factoid for you. Heading into the game three last night, teams that with a 2 nothing lead in a best of seven cup final have won the series 90.6% <laughs> of the time. Only five teams have come back to win from that deficit. When the smoke settled on all that stuff, right? On Eichel, on I mean, whatever. Stone's been there for years now. But it took some time for, for everything to work out the way that the way that they intended. And it took a, mm-hmm. it took another trade deadline worth of additions for that for them to for them to yeah. get it right. Totally. But when stuff but when the smoke cleared and you look at this roster, and I feel like I feel like it almost happened too late because we weren't used to seeing them healthy. You look at it and you're like, what is what's this perfect? Team, what's this team supposed to be bad at? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, what's their fault? Maybe their power play. And that gets us to last night, they had multiple power play opportunities. Yeah. Did not capitalize on enough of them. Uh-huh. Florida Panthers win two to one. So we talked about it a little bit. Um Panthers win two one in OT, or was it three to two? No, it was three to two. <laughs> Wait, waiting for you to correct yourself. The series is two to one. Uh-huh. The Panthers win three to two in overtime. As we mentioned, pretty boring game until it wasn't. Uh, and it's Matthew Kachuk who plays the hero. Matthew Kachuk and Carter Verhage, we should say. Um, so Kachuk got rocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From a huge sure hit from Keegan Colasar in the first period, pretty early on. Um, he got up, immediately fell back down, stayed in the game. He went and played a power play shift, and then he left the game for the final like 12 and a half minutes of the first period, and then he missed a, the first like five-minute chunk of the second. So in all, he missed probably around like 17 minutes of the game. Uh, it came out after the fact that he was pulled by concussion spotters. I assume they saw him like, you know, get a little bit wobbly after the hit and said, nah, get him out. We got to check things over. So Matthew Kachuk misses 17 minutes of that hockey game. And then he comes in and he ties the game with a goalie pulled in the final few minutes of regulation to send the Panthers to overtime. Uh, And then he's on the ice. I believe he had a secondary assist on Carter Verhage's OT winner. So he continues to show up in the big moments for this Panthers team and no I will not be calling him Matthew Klachuk. I hate it. I think it's dumb. Don't do it. Did we, were you we doing that again last night? Like, yes. was, there another, was there another round of that? Yes. Oh, I specifically tweeted, do not say Klachuk. I don't want to sure see it. I'm sure everybody listened to you. Okay. Yeah. No, they didn't. <laughs> do you have thoughts on the Panthers game? I think we had a Brandon Montour appearance last night. That's something that they were missing for, for the last little bit, right? Like... You remember going back to the Bruins series? He, it was like, is this, is this, is this the Consmith? Like, like who, who is this? Who is this guy? Right? No, I haven't thought that people thought Brandon Montour should win the Consmith. He was a huge difference maker against Boston in a way that that I was think, months ago. Uh huh. <laughs> in a, in a way that we haven't seen over the last over the last little bit. So I think that's an important kind of development for. For Florida, they that's I mean their D was terrible pretty in the first whatever, two games. Pretty so. whatever defensive group. So they need they need that kind of offensive uh that that offensive contribution for that for that unit overall to be holding up, you know, their end of things, right? So if you mm-hmm. have Brandon Montour out there looking like Brandon Montoris, uh huh. <laughs> I think that I think that bodes well for them. I, and we're sit, we're sitting here. He I got like, the new baby bump, by the way. Brandon Montour did. That's right. Yes. Shout oh out gosh, baby Kai. Mm-hmm. And Montour said, should have had twins. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ask um, your wife about that. You're not the one pushing out two babies. We're, 
I, I know you said it like there's an we're going on a 90 percent historical historical percentage there right for yeah. for a team that wins the first two games going on to win the series so I, I don't think it's unreasonable for us to sit here and talk about how great Vegas is but you gotta remember this is a team that came back on the Boston Bruins in round totally. one like I mean if, it's been done before and we've seen Florida do it this year against mind you not in the cup final but in the first three rounds. We saw signs from Bobrovsky last night. He looked, this looked like previous series Bob, right? This looked Mm -hmm. like good playoff Bob instead of bad playoff Bob. And that's the single biggest thing. Like, I know we're sitting here talking about like, oh, it's nice to get a reminder that it doesn't just matter. that Goaltending isn't the only thing that matters, whatever. Um, But we do need to remember how good that guy was and, and how, you know. He more than Kachuk is is the reason that they're that they're here in the first place totally. because that's just the nature that's the nature of the position, right? So yep. if they get a few more a couple more games out of out of him, like last night, and if Vegas's power play, which has been bad for uh, on and off really for the entire season, Jack Eichel, great five on five player, does not does not look right out there with 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 that particular power play unit. Um, if that's something that keeps happening, then you know we might be having a different conversation in six days or whatever. It's possible. Um, it, it just seemed like the three days between game two and game three really helped the Panthers regain some of that composure. I mean, they did still take quite a few penalties. Their PK was better than it was for the first two games. But Matthew, could, I was going to say, Kachuk was on the ice more than he was in the box. He was, you know, in the locker room for a bit, but he we didn't a, see. He was available hmm. more than he was. He was, he was, uh, he was not yeah. in the box for, for, for a relevant amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, Bobrovsky was, was big. He was particularly great in the second period um, when the Panthers had one shot on goal in the first half of the, the second. He was, it's, he was pretty big. Vegas was pressing and he, and he kept, he kept it to a one goal lead for for the Golden Knights for, all these, for a while. All, so it was a big all one. All this extra rest that they're getting throughout that's scheduled throughout the series, it's not going to benefit anybody more than him. Except the rest between the the third round and the Cup final. Hey, that's see, that's like too much, right? Like that yeah. tilt that tilts over into like yeah. okay, n- nobody's. That's a tough thing to bounce back from. I think. I think no matter what. This is a good coach matchup too. I feel like those days probably help Paul Maurice like get the game plan and sort out the blue line, get the guys better in front of Bobrovsky. That's a good coach matchup between Paul Maurice and Bruce Cassidy. Oh God, definitely. I like it. All right. I feel like we're good. So the series is 2-1. Game four will be on Saturday night, 8 o'clock Eastern on TNT, TBS, True TV, CBC, Sportsnet, and TVAS. Is that is that French? <laughs> it's also on... E and and that's on ESPN Disney Channel six yeah <laughs> Nickelodeon. Let's go to a break when we come back. We wanna we have things to say about the Columbus Blue Jackets after a quick little break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Sean had a moment. He had a glass of water. There's no more Bradley Cuckoo talk. That's not true. I don't know what You're he's the one who said it. About. not me. <laughs> no. I didn't. Anyways, we had a sign-in trade this morning, reportedly. I don't think it's official yet from the Devils or the Blue Jackets. But according mm-hmm. to insiders, Frank Saravalli, Elliot mm-hmm. Friedman. I was like, who's the other one? The other it's one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your, uh, clo- your close friend, Elliot Friedman. He is, yes. Anyways. 
There's been a sign in trade. <gasps> Is it Brad Cuckoo? <laughs> no, stop with stop it. I said you had a glass of water. There's no more Brad Cuckoo. <laughs> it's Damon Severson, you idiot. Yeah. Well, well much, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they don't stay babies forever, idiot. You, you, you ugly dumbass. It's Damon Severson. <laughs> you stupid dumb dumb. I was watching too much. I think you should leave. Never heard of that. Mm. Yeah, you're not like smart enough to understand the humor. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Anyways, the New Jersey Devils traded Damon Severson to the Blue Jackets in exchange for a third round pick in the 2023 NHL draft. Um, so that's the 80th overall pick. Severson was set to become a UFA on July 1st. He signed an eight-year deal prior to the trade. So mm-hmm. we got a fun little sign and trade. Uh, looks like it's a six-year, no, an eight-year, excuse me, $6.25 million contract for Damon Severson. Uh, so he goes to Columbus. The Devils get that third round pick, as mentioned. Um, I mean, I like it for the Devils. He was going to be an unrestricted free agent. They have a crowded blue line in New Jersey. Severson was probably never going to get the kind of ice time Mm -hmm. or role that he wanted or might deserve in New Jersey. Um, And the Devils got a little pick from it. Yeah, that's a solid pick. Leveraging that extra year that they have. Solid bit of business for Tom Fitzgerald because yeah. Damon Severson was, even if they wanted him around, he'd price himself out. Totally. He'd price himself out of their, you know, internal kind of structure there because they have other stuff to worry about. Like Damon Severson, solid player for them. You're, are you, are you, if you're the New Jersey Devils, are you going to pay him six and a quarter for eight no. years? Absolutely not. And also, they have other they have other business to worry about. They got they got a Timo Meyer out there, and they got a Jesper Brad out there. Like, mm-hmm. there's other stuff that they need to do to the point where having a six million or six and a half million dollar version of Damon Severson was just not in the cards for them. So the fact that they go out and get the 80th pick in the draft for it, I mean, that's I, it's solid. There is they another have, end of this. There is another end of this deal, though. <laughs> you know, before we get to the other end of the deal, the Devils have thirteen free agents. Oh, <laughs> and that's including RFA's with arbitration rights, unrestricted free agents who are probably just going to walk. You know, Jonathan Bernier. Sure, um, but they've got <laughs> Jonathan, like little that's, interesting. That's cases. right, Jonathan yeah. Bernier. Sorry, around. good for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's the fourth best available UFA goalie or whatever. When I was doing that UFA Uh board, I had this like really stupid idiot moment where I was like, wow, Jonathan Bernier had the exact same stats this season as last year. That's crazy. (laughs) And I was like, oh, wait. He hasn't played a single game. (laughs) It's like 2022. That's how brutal the goalie market is. It's not real anymore. Um, Because I looked at the 2021 22 season, I was like, yeah, that's happening right now. It's not 2023. And you're We're just not halfway like, through 2023. You're just like, and you're scraping the pot basically yeah. for, oh, that's for, why for, for who to talk about at the bottom. You're like, uh, what's Jonathan Bernie up to? And because yeah. that's a legitimate route mm-hmm. to take because of how bad the goalie market is. Where that's you're like, why I included uh, restricted do do free here? agent uh-huh. goalies. That's why I zoomed out a little bit. And some people were like, this is dumb. I was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's an indicator <laughs> it's of how not. brutal, of how rough the market is. Totally. But now the market's almost getting a little bit saturated as we go on a little off ramp here, but it's okay. Ride the wave. (laughs) (laughs) The goalie market's almost getting a little bit saturated with the amount of goalies that might be available via trade. You know, we're looking at the UFA markets, Freddie Anderson, Tristan Jari. Those are kind of the top, top two guys I would say that are unrestricted free agents. We're Mm -hmm. looking at the, offer sheet candidates uh jeremy swayman i hate talking about offer sheets because i think it's overdone but if there is a legitimate offer sheet candidate this summer it is jeremy swayman because the bruins are screwed they're gonna need to address the goal i mean they have a million even Phil gustamson is maybe a, a candidate but i do think he's a priority for the minnesota wild to sign and then we're looking at the trade candidates too sorry sean i'm finishing my list here then there's the trade candidates which include connor hellebuck John Gibson, and now maybe Carter Hart. I definitely Carter Hart, yeah. <laughs> so, 
I mean, the That's Bruins are going to have to address it in one way or another, address that situation one way or another, whether it's, whether it's Olmark, whether it's, you know, whether it's tra- trading Olmark, figuring out something to do with, with Swayman, um, I think that's almost gotten brushed under the rug because of how yeah. how much we talk about their forward group with, with Bergeron, Krejci, whatever. That like people, their their cap crunch affects every single element of that of that of that roster. And it's crazy. Like when I was doing that goalie story, I ended up getting like a second wind at two in the morning, <laughs> so I mm-hmm. just started like. Looking into the Boston Bruins at 3 a.m. Once I got to that point, I was like, oh, my God, this is really bad. Does everyone know how bad this is? Like, this is terrible. They are projected to have $4.9 million in cap space right now. um, And (laughs) they have nobody signed. So they currently have... Where is it here? And it's be, a part of it's because of the bonus overages with the Pasternak mm-hmm. contract. That's $4.5 million on the books for them. They have $4.9 million in cap space right now and only 15 players signed. So even if you can like get rid of Mike Riley, you're still not going to be able to field a full competitive roster. Like they've got, they've got stuff to do in yeah. Boston. Um, but back with the devils, they have a lot of, <laughs> I had a drip coffee this morning oh, instead God. of that my usual yeah, Americano with okay. oat milk and vanilla. So I'm like, there's caffeine coursing through my veins. I'm all over the place. I want to talk about all the hockey teams. Mm-hmm. Clearly. All the things. How about you find an organic way to get us back to the devils after, after talking about the Bruins? Build a segue. Let's go. Can you do it? Start the clock. Five, four, three, two, one. And from one team in the East back to the other. <laughs> That's a C plus, okay. <laughs> you know who doesn't have cap problems? The New Jersey Devils. They have $49 million. Oh, that's their cap hit. I'm sorry. They do have cap problems, yeah. <laughs> we're, down, have- we're, da- we're down to a D plus after that. Okay. They have $34 million in projected cap space, but again, 13 Mm-hmm. free agents to sign. Um, and there's some big ones, big obviously, ones, yeah. with Jesper Bratt, Timo Meyer. Um, and it sounds like they're having a bit of issues with, you know, they want to have like a salary hierarchy, right? They don't want to pay Timo Meyer more than Jack Hughes. However, <laughs> then you might lose Timo Meyer. I get why they don't. I mean, <laughs> that's the role of a general manager, right? Is to get as many good players on our contract for as long as possible for as little money as possible. So sure. But it's unfortunate that they're, they're trying to apply. It seems like they are at least trying to apply the, the Jack Hughes model to Meyer and, and to Brad. Cause it's just not, it's not comparable. They bought a bunch of years of restricted free agency for Jack Hughes. He's making $8 million for the next eight seasons. He's going to hit free agency when he's, what, 28 or 29? Like, he's at a different point in his career than those guys are. So it's not the same thing to pay two guys that close to free agency $8 million versus someone when you're buying, you know, years and years of, of, uh, of, of, uh, R, of, like, of RFA years and, and, and RB years. So I get why, super, super, like, uh, superficially you're like yeah we can't pay anybody more than jack but also jack's mm-hmm. 20 and these guys are these guys are 27 28 um but it is tough i get why the, he's their best player <laughs> they should want to pay him more money than everybody else but that's just not the world we live in right like t- mm-hmm. like timo meyer is not going to make is not going to sign six a, million a six and a, and a half million dollar annual deal just, maybe just he not, will it's not going to happen maybe I, he will Sure. Anything's possible, you know? It's a gift. Damon Severson was not going to sign for six and a quarter for them. I can, I can guarantee you that. That's a that's a big number. Big number for a second pair defenseman. That's right. What Anyways, are the Blue Jackets doing? Yeah, <laughs> can we talk about that? I, I'm yeah. like foaming at the mouth to, to, to talk about this. Oh, Sean has things that he wants to say about the Blue Jackets. So, yeah, we talked about the, the New Jersey side. On the surface, 
I like this for Columbus. I'm going to get this out of the way first. This individual move, I like it for the Blue Jackets. They get Severson before he hits the market. They get that extra year by doing the sign and trade, and it only costs them the third round pick. They're going to be fine because they've got, you know, a high first that they're probably going to use to get, you know, Fantilli or Leo Carlson or whoever ends up being number three. Will Smith. Yeah, sure. Hell yes. Totally. He's American. Come on. And then you look at, like, they needed to improve on their their blue line last season. There were a lot of problems. There were a lot. Bad and hurt, right? I was saying that. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) There were a lot of problems with the Columbus Blue Jackets last season, but their blue line was particularly awful. So they allowed 3.47 goals against per 60. That was worse in a league. And then when you look at just straight goals against, uh, 231 goals against, worse in the league, worse than Danielle's Anaheim Ducks. That's right. That's bad. That's amazing. That's really bad. And they, so they were outscored all season. And that's just at, that's just at five on five. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> brutal, brutal, brutal. They were outscored at five on five, uh, 231 to 143. That's just at five on five. Let's look, let's look at all situations here, folks. Oh, the ducks were worse. Sorry, Danielle. Uh, but the blue jackets <laughs> were scored on 329 times. Well, here's everybody talked about. <laughs> the, so in terms of the effect that their skaters had on on goals, if you want to go by goals against versus expected goals against, the Ducks were far and away the worst, right? They were historically bad. That's why someone's going to trade for John Gibson. Uh-huh, because they're going to be able to explain that away. Also, but if anybody wants, I know this is like this is like John Gibson week, it feels like. Dallas Aikens had some really interesting <laughs> things to say about him on a, on uh when, Get when, back on when track. Craig, when Craig and I talk, well, I mean, it's, I, I think it's, I think it's relevant. Like people are, people sure. are having the John Gibson discussion. Now we don't, mm-hmm. we don't need to go in, into that. Everybody's talking about how the Ducks are horrific defensively, and that affected, you know, perception of Gibson unfairly, and, that, and that's true. But right behind them are the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> they had, so they had three point six seven expected goals against per sixty in, in all in all situations last year. Um, in in actual goals against, they're they're at four point oh two, right? So mm-hmm. that was yeah. it's a, the differential it's a, it's is it's not... an instance of it, they're getting terrible, they're getting terrible defense and terrible goaltending. Yeah, like it's in, a double whammy. Yep, and that's what I like about the Severson move, though, is that they're clearly trying to beef up their blue line. They're going to get a guy who can go in and play top pair, top pair, top four minutes. They're getting Zach Wierenski back. And regardless of how you feel about Ivan Provorov, like he is going to improve that blue line based on last season. And I mean what you think about him as a defender, not as a person. (laughs) Just to be clear. I I mean, regardless of what you think about what he did this year, he's still a good D. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I meant. Yeah, We've we, made it very we, clear how we, we feel about yeah, what we're we're um, anti anti Ivan Provorov's yes politics and and you know stance on stance on the LGBT it's Pride community. Month, so we're not yes. really gonna like get into Ivan Provorov <laughs> much here and like his blue line prowess. I'll just say he's gonna be better than what they had last season. So getting Orensky back, Provorov and Severson, it's good for the Blue Jackets. However, Sean. <laughs> You there's have still, things that you want to say about Columbus, so they're have still at it. <laughs> not good. They're still not good. This is a this is a team <laughs> that has convinced themselves that they're like a Damon Severson away from being a relevant playoff team, and they're and they're just not. I know, like, and, and part of it is that I'm sure Yarmo Kekalainen is feeling the heat as he should be. Yeah. This is their uh, their. Time frame change last year. Whenever Johnny Gaudreau surprised everybody and and took the and took the money. Well, he actually left money on the table. I, you know, what I'm saying yes. I know we all we all got away. And that brings <laughs> us back to the Calgary Flames <laughs> hey! 2022 off season. What does this team think they're doing? <laughs> Being good. No, they're they're not like this. This is I've never in my life seen a more first round exit playoff roster. Like, congrat congratulations, you got you added 
two second pair defensemen for more than for $10 million against the cap or, or, or whatever it turns out to be more than that, even though they did save some money on, on Provorov. Great. Um, who's playing center for that team? <laughs> Cole Sillinger. I would, I would, who just got, yeah, I'm pretty sure okay. he got dumped by Tate McRae also. Poor guy. He's gonna, he's gonna have a big comeback here. First Tate, line, Tate first McCray's line center. Gonna, Tate McRae's gonna drop a breakup album and then, oh my God, that'll Cole be, Sillinger's that'll gonna be score 60 for, goals. I was, or, or it'll just be it for Cole Sillinger. What is that roster? What are we talking about? Why is any of this happening outside of the fact that, you know, yeah, you do feel the need to improve your team. I'm, I'm not saying that, but this oh is God, just... he only had three goals this season. Yeah, sorry. he was awful. <laughs> he was awful. And also, they hired Mike Babcock to coach, to coach, the, to coach these yeah. guys up who... Buried the lead a bit. I, I forgot. I, I forgot about it. I, I, was so, I was so focused on Pro Rob and Severson. You hire, you know... Uh, a coach who was let, who after he was let go by the Toronto Maple Leafs, like was, I, what other way can we say this? He was like a, a maniac. He was an abusive maniac. (laughs) You know what kind of bothered me? And we've had this conversation before is how much came out after he got fired. Would love to know how many people knew that that was happening the whole time and just held it close to vest oh, because I think, they needed I to get in the locker I think it was a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I but back to back to the Blue Jackets, honestly, like or back to the guys on the on the roster. I, Damon Severson's twenty nine years old, and you're and you're paying him top tier money, and I, I don't. He's he's a he's a good guy to have on your team. But what they have now, they're back in they're back in that situation where you have everybody is like a little bit overextended, right? Like I, I don't know. I, you know, I th- I I'm not as down on them, and I will be happily like proven wrong. But you've got Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Line, Jack Roslovic has shown in the past that he can be like an effective player when he plays with skilled players. I mean, he was the center on the Matthew Kachuk and Austin Matthews line. I know that was years ago now, but put him with Johnny Gaudreau and see what happens. Give give the guy a shot to play with the skilled guys. I mean, I get, you've got I get it. Boone this Jenner's isn't... not a one C, um, but they've got some interesting young players too. Like Cole Sillinger should be an effective NHL player. Kent Johnson has shown that he's going to be an exciting player. I'm not bullish on them by any means, yeah. um, but I also don't think like, there's no way they're going to be as bad as they were last season. No, no, no I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. I, I'm. This is not a. This is not a bad hockey team. It's just like, what's the direction? Like, what's the plan? You want like like you said, what's the plan? You want to make it? You want to make the playoffs ca- and lose? A, this is a capped out hockey team that. Yeah. You know, seems on on ta- on talent. They're they're five games in the first round. Yeah, I'm sorry. And Kekalainen's already said like he's not done. <laughs> what, are you, what else? Are you well, so I. Uh, how about this? If the Columbus Blue Jackets go out and add a legitimate first line center, I'll, all's forgiven. I will. I will eat my words and apologize to Tiarmo Kekalainen. But if they go in to this to, to to the upcoming season where we're talking about. Cole Sillinger and Boone Jenner and Jack Roslovic is is their top three. Like good, like good luck, good yeah. luck, and enjoy your eighty nine point season or whatever it ends up being. It's just it's it's not going to work. It's a lot of action and a lot of money spent for a first round exit. And I'm just I'm not I'm not down with it. I'm not down with that method of of, of, team, of team building right now. What would you rather see them do though? Sell off while you have Johnny Gaudreau this sign all, for six I, more years? I or would whatever? have rather seen them not sign Johnny Gaudreau last year, but but now that they have him, like I, I get it. Like what's like what other choice do you have? Like this is Why would this you is the corner. get rid of Bjorkstrand and then sign Johnny Gaudreau? Because you feel an obligation to like whatever, because that's what because they're they were cap crunched already and needed yeah, to, needed to do the line of deal. So that you figure, how do we make this happen? And you toss a twenty or twenty five goal scorer on the on you know out for next to nothing. Ron I don't, Francis, I don't, enjoy I don't, that I don't, contract I don't, I don't understand it. And it, like, there, it's just a weird mix of a bunch of thirty year olds who make a ton of money and then like B grade prospects. I I don't I don't understand it. I get it. Like you want, you want to try to. I get it on some level because, you know, 
you want to sell like, hey, this is a relevant hockey team, and and you want right. to, and you don't want things to completely go in the tank the way that they did last year. But like, if if you if you can look at that team, which is clearly in win now mode again, this is going to be a cap team. And if you say, if you think that's a legit contender, like God bless you. I just don't. I don't feel that way. Okay, so to wrap up, <laughs> the Damon Severson sign and trade. That's mm-hmm. a win for the Devils, right? It's a, the winners are the New Jersey Devils and Damon Severson. <laughs> well, I hope he likes Ohio. <laughs> but he a, wins Columbus, because Columbus he gets money. A, Columbus is a fine place. I, I love I think, Columbus. You know that. I really think that's an underrated you know, spot to go and watch hockey. I love the spot around the arena. We can't, I have, like another, it. We can't have another summer of debating the merits of, of, of Columbus. I'm and, not debating anything. I'm just saying he wins. I hope he enjoys Ohio, but he wins because he's about to make $6.25 million over the next eight years. And then the Devils win because they were going to lose him anyways and they mm-hmm. lost him for a third round pick instead. And Blue, Jacket, and Blue Jackets fans who are, who are going to be satisfied seeing something better than what we got last from them last season. Like, yep. okay, but sorry, not a, not a legit contender. Losers uh, could be Yarmo. If this ends up going poorly, you yeah. got to get things on the rails pretty quick here for that team. It's a lot of, a lot of money <laughs> spent on a lot of, on, on two top, on two middle pair defensemen. And then, and then uh, the aforementioned deeply problematic Mike Babcock. Mm-hmm. Ubly. Good luck. Yeah. Maybe not. Okay. We're going to have a fun segment called News You Can Use. That's coming up next. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. So I guess the whole show has been news you can use. That's kind of the whole point of a podcast. I guess we didn't have news in the first segment. That was just us talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, who we love now. I mean, it is a pretty, like, between, there's a cup final game last night. There's a big time trade that's involving, you know, a a kind of one of the early splash teams of the offseason and a guy who would have been maybe the best U of A defenseman, which is a major, major, major indictment of the market. Yeah. And then all this other stuff we're about to we're about to get into. There's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, news you can use. News you can use on Friday, June 9th. <laughs> How many times have you said news you can use in the last 90 seconds? Six times, I think. Six. Maybe four. Okay, this one's fun. Shane Doan. <sighs> you are a maple leaf. <laughs> I good for him. He. It sounds like, according to our old buddy Craig Morgan, like Don wanted some actual say in an organization rather than yeah. whatever whatever the specifics of his jobs were with with a, his job was with the Coyotes, right? So if he's getting that in Toronto, uh, good for him, a and good for Austin Matthews, good for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Is that is that, is that where we Maple Leafs? Probably, yeah. Uh, yesterday after the report started coming out that Shane Doan was going to be joining the Maple Leafs, leaving the Arizona Coyotes to join the Maple Leafs. Yeah, this is good for the Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews, big Shane Doan guy. <laughs> so Imagine lots of tweets that. popping up. <laughs> yeah. Lots of tweets popping up yesterday of Austin Matthews tweeting about his love for Shane Doan. So this can... Probably only be a good thing if you're a Leafs fan. You take and whatever you can get, right? Sure. Totally. And I do think it's important to say, too, um, that Brad Tree Living has had a relationship with Shane Doan mm-hmm. for a long time as well. Um, Brad obviously would have worked with 
uh, Doan when he was with the Arizona Coyotes. Tree Living was an AGM in Arizona for a while before going to Calgary. Um, and Shane Doan, as you mentioned, Sean, this was from Craig Morgan, who's with Phoenix Sports now, said, it's no secret that Doan has wanted to be more involved in hockey ops than he was with the Coyotes. His experience working for the league and Hockey Canada helped build his knowledge base. Obviously, it is the Coyotes' ownership group's prerogative to structure their executive staff as they see fit, but Doan was not content with what was perceived as more of a ceremonial role. And it's another blow, a big one, to watch the franchise's greatest icon walk away. So as we stick with the winners and losers theme here, winner, Shane Doan, losers, Coyotes fans, winner, potentially Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Definitely, definitely the Maple Leafs. Like, we'll say, <laughs> I, it depends on your perspective, I guess, as far as, as far as Matthews is concerned, but yeah, it's an, it's another it's another hit. If it's impossible not to look at this and say if Shane Doan is backing up and leaving now, like what what does that mean for the rest for the rest of it? And you do have that the personal end of things where it's like, hey, i I would like I would like more say in in uh, in personnel matters. I don't want to just go out and mm-hmm. kiss babies and drop pucks. So that's like a decent and yeah. that's as good that's as good an explanation as any. But also, yeah. given what's gone on there and what is going on there, it's tough to look at it and think like, oh boy, sure. this, is, this doesn't bode well. Sure, and there is reporting um, from Craig and from Steve Peters, who are on the ground in Arizona, both with uh, Phoenix Sports, saying like his position with the Leafs doesn't ha- it isn't because of the arena and the Tempe vote. It's because. He wanted this opportunity in a front office. Like, I I think it's fair to just say, like, he didn't want to be the ceremonial guy anymore. He wants to work in a front office. I mean, he's been working in that kind of role with Hockey Canada. He wants to have a little bit of say. Also, like, whatever. You're not going to convince me that this stuff doesn't wear on people. Like, where the constant, the constant, uh, the constant uncertainty of their overall situation, like, I don't know, man. If you're Shane Doan and you're like, all right, you have the disappointment of the Tempe Arena uh, vote going against you guys. And then Brad Tree Living, who he's known forever and has a good relationship with, says like, hey, you want to come and actually make some decisions for an, for an organization that doesn't have, you know, the sword of Damocles hanging over their head as far as the arena is concerned? Like, you're, you're Shane Doan. You're not like that doesn't have any kind of... Uh, any kind of bearing on making that decision. I, I think that's, I think that's short-sighted. And it looks like it's going to be as assistant to Roger living. Cool. Yeah. That makes sense. You give him the spats a job. Sure. Call, call it yeah, that. Pretty just, much. Give, just give him the office and everything. He's the same chair. Yeah. All right. Um, the other little bit I think we could just touch on is Pierre-Luc Dubois. Looks like he wants out. This is from our, our pal, the athletic Pierre Lebrun. Pierre-Luc Dubois does not want to stay in Winnipeg. Shocker. Who could have seen that coming? He's yeah. only been like broadcasting it for the last, I you mean, know, for the last 18, 18 months. Yeah, we did we did all this last year. We like this this popped up at the draft where it's like, oh boy, it'd be great if we be great if I found some way to play for the Canadians. It's like, okay. Understandable. I wouldn't want to play for the Jets either. <laughs> that's another that's another one. Like, like what are what are we doing? It's sure. a blue jacket situation. I, ironically, for Pierre Luc Dubois, that he goes from the Blue Jackets of the <laughs> goes from the Jets of the Eastern Conference to the Blue Jackets of the West. Sure. Um, I'd want to get out of there too. And honestly, to be clear, that's not you dumping on the city of Winnipeg. It's the oh situation my god, with no, that no, team. no, 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 no. I just, I think, I know that, I know that's what you mean, but I think sometimes. When these conversations happen, like people are like, "Why do you hate Winnipeg?" I, it's not that. It's like I, where are the rule, teams at? Where are the organization? Whatever. At? I'll just I'll say this like like I don't I don't shit on cities or or, or locations or yeah whatever so stuff in that way. As a rule, I don't like it's mm-hmm. not it, I don't it's there's no reason to do it. Nobody you can't. I'm anti strong that I'm, I'm yep. strongly there. I I'm more ta- I'm just talking about the direction of that franchise. Like I totally. We've just been talking stuff about stuck how in neutral. I just get out, get yeah. out of there. We've been talking about how this could be the year where the Winnipeg Jets make some changes for a while now. I think this year probably should be the year. And to be clear, 
Dubois is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. So the Jets are well within their rights to control his player rights for another year before he hits unrestricted free agency. For sure. They shouldn't. Stop dragging this. Stop dragging this out. Stop. (laughs) No. Stop it. Winnipeg. The other thing, too, though, is if you're you're, Kevin, if you're a team that's trying to trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois with one year left. Well, this is a Matthew Kachuk situation, right? You probably want to sign him. Sure. Or or if you're the or if you're the Montreal Canadiens or whatever team or wherever wherever else Pierre-Luc Dubois would want to end up, like you're saying, I don't, okay, you, you can lowball the Jets. You can say like, we're, I'm, we'll give you something, but we're not going to give you everything you want here because he's going to be gone in a year anyways. So good luck. Tough, tough deal. I don't have a problem with players deciding where they want to be. Oh, I, it's I, not a thing never, that I get not angry ever. about. I've never. <laughs> it's just it's more just from an it's just interesting from a from a from a narrative like storyline standpoint because sure. because because then it turns into like well like, where does he end up how much do the sure. Jets get back from him I don't like I will never rag on a player for, no. for for trying to choose his own destiny never the thing that I think is always lacking maybe not always lacking. But whenever this stuff happens, like we're already seeing a bunch of memes and jokes about Pierre-Luc Dubois. And it's just like, you know, after Lu- Pierre-Luc Dubois has been in a city for six months, he's like ready to move on. Have we ever just stopped to think about why he might not want to be there? <laughs> Maybe there's some yeah. turmoil. Maybe there's some things that he doesn't like in that organization. Definitely. The, the Winnipeg Jets organization <laughs> like, is not has not been in the best state for the last year. Like, look at look at what. Can you blame the guy? You know, some just of the think stuff Rick second. Bonus alluded to. You're talking all the drama last season where uh, your captain where gets Blake the C Wheeler stripped. loses the C, yeah. and, and like there's Shifley. We like that was a weird drama. dynamic yeah. public publicly between Shifley and Wheeler. Uh-huh. You got Bonus, you know, demolishing those guys on his on his way out after after the playoffs. Yeah, it's a I. Uh, it doesn't seem like a good situation. No. So. Um, other bit of news. It's Alex Debrinket. It's Pierre Lebrun's understanding that Debrinket's camp has given the Senators a short list of preferred destinations, a la Matthew Kachuk, in case Ottawa decides to go the trade route with Debrinket. So very much like Kachuk last year, he's got a pretty big qualifying offer in this final year. He's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, and he's one year away from unrestricted free agency. So the Sens basically have three paths forward, the same way that the Flames have three paths forward. You either sign him to a long-term contract extension, uh, you sign him to the one-year qualifying offer, go to arbitration, sign him for a one-year deal, hope he wants to stay, uh, and then put but also potentially risk him leaving an unrestricted free agency a year later, or you can trade Alex to bring it to one of those preferred teams to maximize the return. They could sign him wherever they want, but they're probably not going to get a great return if to telling that team, I'm not going to stay here. So we know that Matthew Kachuk chose option three, uh, gave the flames a list of his preferred teams. They trade him to Florida. So we'll see how that plays out um, with the Ottawa Senators and Alex Dabrinkit, but it looks at the very least, um, I don't think it trades imminent right now, um, but it looks like they have provided those destinations in case they go that route. So we'll see what happens there. Timing's interesting on all this. I think it makes you wonder. Send them to Detroit. I'm sorry, Sens fans. I need. I want Maxi to get a win here. Uh, always, we always, we always root root for Max Boltman's Boltman. Um, uh, what? It's the it's Max's it's Max's Stan Army. We've we've been over this before. This nope, must have ha- been with Craig. Haley Salvian Seal Team Six. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, this is this was this was from me and Craig. It's fine. Yeah, must have been your Tuesday Tuesday moments. listeners know. Yeah, Debrink is from Michigan, by the way. mm Hmm. I at this point though I wonder because we're it's June 9th. Like if, yes. if if we're talking about the sale of the senators not getting wrapped up for another couple of weeks, like is there going to be enough time for them for whoever comes in to sell Alex Debrinkin on? Well, on, I don't think the they're going to be changing the GM this season because of the way like those owners once the sales and now like once they too, pick the preferred too, bitter it took, it took and too then long. once it. <laughs> 
once it all gets done, like they're not going to have time to do this like full house cleaning. So right. I'm pretty like, and I'm, and I'm sure that Pierre Dorian is operating as if like, he's still doing his job right now. You can't not with the draft coming up and free agency. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. But what I'm saying is like, but if maybe he's at- not going to be able to give a, sorry, sorry, Sean. What I would wonder about though, is like, are you going to be allowed to be handing out like massive contract extensions to sure. Alex to bring it? If you don't know what the new owner's MO is. Right. right. And if you're Alex to it, like, it's hard to imagine him seeing nearly enough from whether it's Dora, Dorian, new owners, whatever. Like we're down to crunch time here. And, it, yeah. and if you're Alex to like I think there's a reason that this is time the way that it is. Right. I think there's a reason that Pierre reported that mm-hmm. yesterday. It seems like his mind is pretty close to being made up and I don't blame him for it. Yeah. Um, he said, there's no question the prolonged process and the sale of the senators has impacted the Debrinket situation. Because if you're, as you kind of said here, Sean, if you're Alex Debrinket, how do you entertain the notion of a long-term contract uh, with don't. the Sens without knowing who owns <laughs> yeah. the team? What's the Flat vision out. of the team after new owners take over? Who's the GM going to be? Whether Dorian gets replaced immediately or gets another year to prove himself to ownership and gets extended or replaced in the summer. I think there's too many questions for a guy who probably wants to get his game back on track to the level that it was at a year before joining the Ottawa Senators, right? And he probably right. wants to to get a big ticket. Um, he's still a young player. Had a bit of a down year. I think the fit in Ottawa was maybe a little bit funky. And he probably is sitting there watching what Matthew Kachuk's doing and being like, oh, like we talk about the league as a copycat league. There isn't going to be a team who can go and get Matthew Kachuk, but I bet there's players who are looking at a guy taking his you know, future into his own hands that way and being like, yeah, I'm going to use this situation and go where I want to go and play how I want to play with, with a different team. Um, yeah. That's not no just, disrespect not just, to the Ottawa senators, but you can't, you can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. And it's, it's the same line of, you know, discussion. Send we had. To Detroit. <laughs> it's the same line of discussion we had with, we had with, uh, with Dubis a couple weeks ago, right. right. Where people are like, well, he's, he's that like, could this be I people have to make decisions on their future and you can't do it when you don't know who your bosses are going to are, are going to be or, or, or the owners of of your employers going to be it's crazy it's impossible send them to Detroit send them to Detroit <laughs> okay let's go that's enough we've been talking for an hour and a half and this has been just utter nonsense I apologize to anyone who's listened but if you like the show and you want more content from Sean and I, if you're not an athletic subscriber, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show to get an annual subscription for $2 a month for 12 months. Thanks, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>